So uh, many of you know, I've been on sabbatical for three months and one of the things I've been doing is writing a book and uh, still doing that and um, made some great headway there. But I, I got to writing the chapter on the resurrection of Jesus and I was thinking to myself, okay, well, what sort of cultural a thing is there out there that kind of points towards kind of human's desire for eternity, immortality, the fact that, you know, humans should overcome death. And I thought of a number of things and eventually the thing that jumped out to me was zombies, all right? Uh, uh, we're kind of a bit of a zombie-obsessed culture. There's a whole bunch of movies, um, iZombie or TV series, iZombie, uh, Walking Dead. In fact, there's a zombie pride and prejudice for those of you who are a little bit more um, articulate and, and want to get stuck into that. Um, I, personally, I don't need one more zombie movie, one more TV show. I'm coming to zombie doubt, but what is a zombie? And I know we're talking about fiction here, but a zombie is something that kind of looks human. It's kind of two arms, two legs, and moves around in a humanesque kind of way. But the essence of a zombie is that it's missing the key components of what it means to be human. And that's, you know, you can call it soul, spirit. The person has left the building. Yes, it has somehow defeated death, but it is not what you and I would call a living, breathing, real soul, spirit, human. And my concern as, as a leader of this church, and, and I share this concern with so many other leaders, is that churches can become zombie churches. One of the metaphors for Jesus' church is, he says, this is my body. All right, and we're different, we're different parts. We come together, we're, we're diverse, but we're on a united mission. We're united by Him. And the metaphor is, you're, you're my body. And I think sometimes I have a fear that we can kind of walk like Jesus. We can do things like Jesus. We can have this appearance of being a body and even an appearance of unity, but the essence of what makes us set apart from every other gathering of people on this planet is not there. See, in order for us to be not just the body, but the body of Christ, we need to be animated and empowered by Christ. That is the heart. That's the spirit of what it means to be the body of Christ. So I don't want it to be a church that kind of looks like a church, does things like a church. People are like, oh, you know, and, and everything's going well up here. But the real breathing, living essence of Jesus is far from us. So uh, when Jesus talks about it, what does that mean? He says, that is my spirit, my spirit. So today we're going to be talking about being an empowered church. And I want to say of us as a church, this is us. We want to be an empowered church. And that doesn't just mean empowered leaders or empowered Steve, but all of us step into what it means to be animated and empowered by God's Holy Spirit as His body. Now, I understand you. There's probably a number of groups sitting here this morning. Uh, some of you may have been in certain types of Pentecostal backgrounds uh, uh, that freaked you out. And you're like, listen, if that's what the crazy juice does to you, I, I don't want any part of that. Skip. And maybe that's why you're here, because you saw less of that here, right? As to some of you kind of, you know, maybe you didn't hear the Holy Spirit spoken about much. So you're like, okay, God the Father, you know, He's a Father, He's a Dad, He gives me cool stuff, I can pray to Him, He loves me, He accepts me, got it. Okay, God the Son, you know, I've seen the movies, I remember the children's stories and the pictures, I've seen the cross. Okay, I can wrap my head around Jesus, the Son of God, got it. But the Holy Spirit, it's like, you know, the, the King James is like the Holy Ghost. It's like, is this Casper? Are we talking about doves? Are we talking about flames of fire, wind? Well, what is this thing? I don't really know, so I'm gonna kind of skip on that. And then maybe there's a third group here this morning that you're the choir, you're the converted. You're like, we want in. We're laying hands on one another when we're sick. We're laying hands on one another when we're not sick. We're laying hands on the dog. We're cheering from God all the time. And we're just so excited to step into this. And I think sometimes you put us all together in one big room like this and it feels like those high school parties. Now there's one group there and one group there and one group there. I don't know what to say to one another. So as Riverside Community, as and there's probably more of you out there that maybe don't fit into those three groups. What next? What next? I, I want to talk through a passage that, that Jesus, where Jesus is teaching on His Spirit. And, and what I'm praying for this morning is that we grow in our desire for His Spirit. 
And as you are connected in Christ and as I am connected in Christ, we are gonna grow together and we're gonna become His body as His Spirit empowers and literally animates us so we are effective in this world. Just to let you know on the front end, uh, today is gonna be probably 90% inspiration, 10% information. So we are not this morning gonna try and navigate the, the, the baptisms of the Holy Spirit and, and tongues and where's it cool and when's it not cool and, and the gifts of prophecy and these kind of uh, divisive things. If you've been around here long enough, you would know that we as a church, we are for the continuing work of God's power in and through His church. However, we're also for the biblically responsible way of practicing that. Um, and, and if you want more information on any of those kinds of topics, we've preached on them before several times and, and they're online and because they're on the internet forever, uh, you can go and access them. We can even help you find them. But today we're hoping that we all kind of lean in, that, that, that we kind of admit our need and our desire for what only God can give us and that our need will only be fulfilled when Jesus gives us more of His Spirit. So, I'm gonna be reading from John chapter seven, and if you can turn there, uh, the words are on the screen behind me. Always great when you've got your own Bible, your own tablets, whatever version you've got there. John chapter seven, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. That's where you'll find it. And verse 37. So I'm gonna start reading here, John 7, 37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, stop. The last and greatest day of the feast. So um, this is something that we're not really familiar with as New Testament believers. But uh, the feast that is being referred to here is what is known as the festival of booths or tabernacles. Uh, this was a seven-day celebration. This was one of the high points of the Jewish calendar, dancing, food, lots of joy, lots of celebration. And just like most Jewish festivals, they find their roots in the Old Testament narratives of God leading His people out of slavery into freedom. They were slaves in Egypt. God moved in mighty ways to move them into the promised land, freedom. All right, and, 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 and we can look at all the festivals and, and that is the journey that God takes them on. For example, Passover. And we celebrate Easter because Jesus is a fulfillment of that because here's God's people in slavery. God is bringing the 10th plague and He says to His people, take a lamb, take a perfect lamb, take His blood, put it over the doorpost and I will pass over you and save and spare you and take you into freedom. That's what they did. So here's a festival where they're now celebrating kind of the next part of the journey where they're wandering around the desert, but they had to set up booths or mini tabernacle. Um, it's kind of like a little construction made out of boughs and branches and palm leaves. Uh, we were in Mozambique a few weeks ago and it's kind of some of these homes are actually built exactly like that. Uh, just kept together, a whole bunch of palm leaves. Uh, so now remembering the sort of temporary transition that they were in and God's provision in their lives, they had this festival, seven day festival. They would come from all over the country to the temple, to Jerusalem. They would build these booths or these mini sort of tabernacles out of branches, out of palm leaves and, and literally camp out. It's like, Opikopi, everyone's there for one reason and uh, they're all chilling there, camping in these booths. Uh, in addition, they would bring these palm leaves to the altar and uh, ceremonially place them around the altar and in many ways kind of build a bit of a booth around the altar. But the high point of this feast was every single day the high priest would take a golden goblet he would go to the pool of Siloam, which is kind of around the corner. He would fill this goblet with water and then ceremonially they'd have this procession from there to the altar. Again, full of joy, full of anticipation, full of God's provision. They would go to the altar. They would pour this water into a bowl next to the altar. There was a pipe literally going through the bowl to the bottom of the altar and this water would flow from beneath the altar. And that's is the context where Jesus stands up. He's about to speak and we need to kind of get into the headspace of these people so we can receive the richness of what Jesus is about to say. So now let's read verse 37 to 39. And Jesus says, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given 
since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So this event that they were celebrating was about one and a half thousand years old. So for one and a half thousand years, these Jews had this religious practice that they were quite comfortable with. It was already full of joy, already full of anticipation. And Jesus says, that's nothing on what it's really pointing towards. Because I'm gonna speak to what this actually means, what you are truly yearning for, what you are truly hoping for. And and now think about this. Again, there's an altar. The altar, we always understand, Jesus fulfills the sacrifice on the altar by Himself becoming the perfect lamb. By Himself becoming the sacrifice, by Him taking the sins, not of just a few people, not just once a year, but the sins of all people for all of eternity onto Himself as the sacrifice, and then subsequently the risen God. And as we believe in Him, we don't just believe in Jesus, we believe in the gospel, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And somehow out of the altar, out of the acts of the cross, out of the acts of death and resurrection, we believe in Him, we come to Him, we trust Him, and water flows. And not just a trickle. I mean, one little jug of water through a little pipe and boom, done. Israel, 40 degrees Celsius evaporated in a few seconds. Jesus is saying, no, no, streams of ongoing living water are gonna be coming out of you who believe in me as you come to me and drink. I love this idea of water. Why water? Well, water is life. We just, you know, in the middle of winter, it's, it's brown around the south of Joburg. You go to the flay behind us and there's life polluted life, but there's life, all right? Uh, Go with me here. Water keeps us alive. Our brains need water to literally, uh, to think because of the chemical reactions that need to happen in our brains. Our our cells in our body need water to metabolize. Plants need water for photosynthesis. You and I are kind of 70% water. Water equals life. Trout live in water. So I love water and being beside streams of living water. And Jesus is saying, man, when you come to me, this water, this life, this thing that, is, that, that, that we desperately need to say alive is pointing towards a greater reality. And I wanna give it to you in abundance. I'm gonna pour this out into your life. He's saying, this is the real thing you're looking for. The real need you have, Daryl earlier meant, uh, referred to this idea that we all have, kind of have this God-shaped hole in our lives, the way Ecclesiastes says it. It says, God has placed eternity in our hearts. And that means non-eternal things will never satisfy an eternal need. So the only thing that can satisfy an eternal need is an eternal gift, an eternal thing, an eternal being. So Jesus is saying, that need you've got in you, you go everywhere else to find it. You go to sex, you go to money, you go to power, you go to success, you go to looks, and you're discovering it doesn't satisfy you. Well, well, here it is. So if you're thirsty, come to me. Now, um, I've kind of had real sinus issues for the last six months or so. Um, But before that, I got into quite a regular habit of running. Nothing too much, about a 5K. Uh, Absolutely, I hate it, but it's one of those things you do, like vegetables, you know, you've got to do it. Um, So so I would come back kind of grumpy and in desperate need of water. At that point in time, you could offer me the the best uh, uh, double espresso. You could offer me a can of Red Bull. You could offer me a Coke. I will turn all of those down because I need, my brain needs, my body, everything within me is screaming for water. That's what I need. Now, now beyond just exercise, I'm I'm pretty good on average uh, drinking water. If I don't drink enough water, I get a bit of a headache. Uh, But then you get my wife, all right? So here's her kind of water habits. Uh, She has a cup of coffee in the morning, which I understand is like a diuretic, so it works against the water that it's made of. Um, And she doesn't drink the whole day. Gets to the evening and literally five minutes before we go to bed, oh, I need to drink water. Drinks like a liter of water. Ah, Tomorrow I'm gonna drink more water and like rinse and repeat. And that's kind of how she goes. And when it comes to the, I got permission for that, by the way. Uh, Some of you are like, oh, Steve, you're sleeping outside. Some of us come to God like Sweaty Steve. If Sweaty Steve doesn't help you, uh, just drop that metaphor, okay? Sorry, I broke your imagination, so. But some of us come to God and we just know, we just know we're desperate. 
We know we're thirsty. We, we've tried drinking from other wells. We've tried money, and it's awesome, it buys you some things, but somehow something is left unsatisfied. We've tried the perfect body, well, some of us have, and uh, again, it gets us somewhere, but still doesn't satisfy, and some of us are here this morning, and you know, maybe it's not the words you would use, but you are desperate, you are thirsty, and God is saying, listen, come to me and drink. Some of you, your approach to God is like Bianca's approach to water. Now, Bianca's approach to God is not like her approach to water. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm that thirsty. You know, I kind of like life at the moment. I like my sort of balance. Every now and again, a little taste of you know, Jesus. And oh, it's the end of the day. I, I, okay, a little bit of praying, a little bit of read. Okay, done. I'll just do this more. Never get around to it. Now, now if, if, if you're in a place where you're sitting here, and I know, I know you're supposed to say, I want more of God, but you're like... I don't know if that's what I'm feeling. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I can't make you thirsty, just like I can't force anyone to feel physically thirsty for water, even though their bodies need it. So I'm gonna confess to you, I've prayed for you this morning, and here's what I prayed. I've prayed that God makes you thirsty. But let me tell you what he's gonna do. He's gonna make you thirsty by showing that other things don't satisfy. So when your life feels very dissatisfied, you can blame me for that, all right? Uh, because I did pray that on your behalf. I'm praying that God makes us thirsty for things that only He can satisfy. Here's the thing though, when we come to Him, He again promises, He's not gonna hold out on us. Do you remember that liquid fruit advert? Uh, about the guys kind of crawling through the desert and the next minute he sees kind of models playing with water and fruit and drinking things. Uh, and then it's actually just a mirage, right? Uh, Jesus doesn't tease us like that. He says, you come to me thirsty, I'm not gonna hold out on you. I'm gonna satisfy this need in you. I wanna liberally pour out life into you. I wanna give of myself richly to you out of my eternal riches. So when we do come to Jesus thirsty, we can be guaranteed he will quench our thirst. But so many of us stop there. We come to Jesus thirsty and we're like, oh, Jesus, thank you. Oh, Jesus, thank you for your love. Oh, Jesus, thank you for your spirit. Oh, thank you for what you're showering upon me. Stop. See, when Jesus says, talks about streams of living water, he doesn't say streams of living water will be poured into you. He says streams of living water will come forth from you. In other words, it's not just for you to drink and be satisfied and it starts there. We cannot give what we haven't received. But God is wanting to give abundantly to us so that His life, His power, His presence, His spirit can flow through me into the lives of the people around me. When it comes to receiving from God, we can see ourselves like a container or a conduit. In a container, you just pour some water into it. It's got a finite degree of water that can go into it, maybe 250 milliliters. And if you don't even drink from it, you can leave it for a week, maybe from evaporation, a few mils have gone, a little bit of a top up. Maybe you can actually drink it, but then all you're coming for is another 250 mils. So some of us are like that with God. You know, God, I, okay, thank you for so, thank you for blessing me. Thank you for your love. And I'm just gonna park that there because I, you know, I've got from you now. I'm good for a couple of months. Go back a few months later for a bit of a, yeah, Jesus, top up. Or, or maybe, you're, no, you drink it to its full and you're like, oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, my thirst is quenched. And we come to him for another 250 mils. Jesus says, no, 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 that's not my design. My design is it starts there. You receive from me. But the point is you're supposed to be a conduit. I'm an eternal source of life and you need to be eternally allowing me to flow through you into the lives of others. And so the vision I wanna set forth before you this morning is that we receive from Jesus in that way. And that means I need to constantly be drinking. I need to be constantly coming to him and saying, fill me. It's why Paul says in Ephesians, be filled, constantly filled, ongoingly filled with God's Holy Spirit. Because I don't just wanna drink for me. I wanna drink for what you're gonna do through me for the sake of others. So let's be, let's be conduits. Now, there's kind of two ways, again, we can approach the things of the Holy Spirit. I think, I think some of us treat the Holy Spirit like a side salad. Some of you are all about the salad. You've got a burger and chips in front of you, but you start with the salad. I will never fully understand that. 
And, and, and some of us are like me, we're like burger and chips, salad, you know, what's that there for? All right, and I think some of us are like, oh, you know, here for church, here for mission, here for Jesus, here for the Father and the Spirit, ah, just, I'll pass. And, and I, I wanna just use another Old Testament story because it's to raise our awareness for Him. Raise how we can become deceived by sometimes the religious trappings, the things that we do for God, even some of the ways that we genuinely enjoy Him, but it stops there. I want us to desire more. So let's go back to the Old Testament, going back to Moses. So Moses was God's chosen leader to speak to Pharaoh and act on the people's behalf, on God's behalf, as God's voice, uh, leading the people out of uh, slavery into freedom. Now you must understand, these people saw God do some incredible things. They saw God spare their children. They saw God uh, uh, bring down these plagues, which were, in a sense, miracles. They saw God destroy the Egyptians. They were led by God, pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. They were provided for by God. Quail, I mean, these days, quail is kind of like a delicacy. These guys just charred quail until they were sick of it. They had quail, they had manna every single day. God caused water to flow out of a rock. God had provided for them in such wonderful ways. They get to a point pretty early on in their journey, they kind of camped up and uh, God's presence comes down onto a mountain nearby to such a heavy degree that they're actually afraid. There's kind of mountain shaking, there's thunder, there's lightning. They're like, Moses, we don't know what to do with this. Won't you go on our behalf and speak to God and find out what the story is? So Moses does, he goes up the mountain and God just starts sharing with Moses, well, here are my laws for my people. Here are my desires for their holiness. Here's how I want them to live. Here's how I want them to be set apart from all the people in the world. And Moses is engaging with God almost face to face. In the meantime, the people around the mountain, they start looking at their watches more and more every single day. And they're like, where's this Moses guy? He's taking way too long. We're getting a little bit bored. At that stage, they never have a well-formed theology of who God was. All they knew were the Egyptian gods. So they took all their gold, they made a golden calf, and they started dancing, eating, and drinking, and getting up to all sorts of nonsense, the kind of nonsense that goes along with a lot of eating and drinking. It is at that moment that Moses does come down the mountain, and it breaks his heart, and he breaks his cool. He gets so angry and he also discovers that God is angry. And this is what God actually says to Moses about this in Exodus 33, verses one to three. And the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt and go up to the land I promised on earth to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying, I will give it to your descendants. So God continues to say, I will send an angel before you. I will drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, all the kind of the tribes of that land. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you along the way. Here's what God's saying to Moses. Listen, I will give you everything I promised. I will give you military success. I will give you financial success. I will give you the comforts you desire. I will give you everything you want, everything you need, except for me. So let me translate to Riverside Community Church. It's like God saying, hey, Steve, you know that land next door, you kind of, things are taking long at the council. Yeah, I will make it happen. You know, next week you're gonna be ready to build. And you know what? I will provide so many resources that you're gonna build your 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 dream worship center. You're gonna have your dream ministries and your dream staff quotient. And you're gonna be able to do things that you've never thought of in the south of Johannesburg and beyond its borders. You're gonna be success. You're gonna have such incredible Sunday meetings. The worship is gonna be perfect. The sermons are gonna be word perfect. But you're not gonna get me. So here's my question to some of us. To how many of us does that sound like a great thing? Sure. Guaranteed victory, success, sounds awesome. Uh, again, we're in church, we know that's the wrong answer. So we deceive ourselves, we're like, no, no, we don't want that. So here's my next question, how many of us wouldn't notice if that's what God did? Right? So, so Moses is like, no, 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 
That's not how it's gonna go down. So Moses comes before God because he knows his people are not putting God first. He knows that the people are fickle. They're up, they're down, they're worshiping the Lord, they're not worshiping the Lord. He knows they're gonna drop the ball again. He knows that they're not aspiring for God's kingdom above all things. But Moses knows something else. So he comes to God and he says this in verse 15. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me? and your people, unless you go with us. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? See, see, Moses knows, man, getting into that promised land, beating a military victory and all the prosperity that's gonna come from that means absolutely nothing unless you go with us. In other words, if you're not gonna go with us, let us rather stay and not have those things. In this case, God says, Moses, I hear your prayer and I will go with you. And God does. He does give them victory. He does bring the walls down. He does give them military success. He does give them kind of economic success as a people. But I think we need to think about these things in the same way. And if we get everything we dream for and everything that we hope to see in our church, but not God's presence, Again, here's another confession. I have prayed that God does not move us from here. Because what is land and buildings and success without God's presence? What else is gonna set us apart from other gatherings in this world? Now, I am trusting that God is looking upon us favorably that He is gonna grant us some of these things. He is gonna move us forward. He is gonna supply all of our needs. He's gonna work mightily in us. He is gonna work mightily through us. I've got no doubts about that. But church, you and I need to have a thirst and a desire in our hearts that puts that thing above all other things. As you can say, God, I want your, your presence more than anything else. So what can this look like as a church? I'm gonna kind of shoot through a very short list and, and it's definitely not a complete list and we could go on and on and on. And again, each sermon, we could, we could preach multiple uh, points uh, or multiple sermons out of each of these points. But let's just get a very practical picture so that we know what you're shooting for here. But if God's presence is saturated in our life as a church, God is animating us, God's spirit is empowering us. Uh, we need to be seeing empowered ministry. I think so many of us are kind of like, you know, we're doing the church a favor by serving. And we need to change that thinking. We need to start to realize that whether I'm, I'm working with buddies and I'm pouring my life into the lives of little, little children or kind of middle, you know, five-year-olds, eight-year-olds, 10-year-olds, young people on a Friday night, Sunday night, a teen ministry, you've got a life group in your home. You're not doing anyone a favor. The mindset is this. Man, God is gonna work in these people's lives through me. I get to be at the coalface. I get to see not the fruit of my labor, the fruit of God's labor, and He's gonna use me. He's gonna change the life of this three-year-old because He's God, and I get to see that. We wanna see empowered ministry. We also wanna see empowered lives and empowered lifestyles. We don't just wanna have a nice little you know, Jesus party on a Sunday and then go home and leave everything behind. See, God's Spirit goes with us. There's a sense in which we are together, the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are together, the body of Christ. But also when we're scattered, we are still temples going out into the world, points of God's presence going out into the world. And that means, man, when I'm engaging with my neighbors, when I'm on the golf course, when I'm at the gym, when I'm at restaurants, when I'm at home, when I'm with my family, man, I have an opportunity to live an empowered life, an empowered lifestyle. I have an opportunity to tap into what God is wanting to do through me. So, so let's opt for that. Number three, empowered characters. Empowered characters. We're not just pretending that everything's okay. God deals with the real stuff in our lives. He brings true freedom. He brings, brings pure, true forgiveness. He builds true and solid identity in us. 
We submit ourselves to His work and this doesn't always happen overnight. And uh, Eugene Peterson wrote a book called on Jeremiah, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. But as we are on this long obedience in the same direction, we start seeing our characters being transformed in a way that can only point towards Him. And I think so many of us are sitting here this morning saying, you know, this is who I am, I'm never gonna change. This particular sin in my life, this particular personality, a downfall that I have, uh, you know, I might deal with it in, in my ways. I might even go for counseling for it, but it really doesn't look like it's gonna change. And I wanna say, listen, God wants to meet you there and God wants to address that in your life and God wants to take you further into better things. Can we imagine empowered characters where more of Jesus shines through us in this world? And finally, man, even our gatherings, can we have empowered worship? As the Holy Spirit turns our, you see, here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. He's not there to make a big deal about himself. He's there to make a big deal out of Jesus. So as we're worshiping, and as the Holy Spirit is in fact, as part of his triune nature, he is making a big deal of Jesus all the time. Can we jump on board with him? Can we submit ourselves to this worshipful response of the Holy Spirit to the Son and to the Father? Can we have empowered worship where we come away seeing Jesus more clearly. We come away having heard from him, having tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Can we have empowered preaching and teaching? A regular prayer of mine is, Lord, I'm a steward of the responsibility you've called me to. So I'll tell you what, I'm gonna do what I can do, but that's nothing if you don't do what only you can do. So I am gonna take many hours out of my week and, and I'm gonna study and I'm gonna prepare and I'm gonna read widely and I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna hopefully be led by you. I'm gonna hopefully hear from you. Your word is gonna get into my veins. So when I stand up here, I feel like I've done what I've called to do. But Lord, if that's all it is, that's gonna amount to nothing. Unless you take my loaves and fish and you invest yourself in them and you do what only you can do and that is change lives and bring salvation into people's lives and families. Can we have empowered community? We spoke about this last week. Because we're mutually plugged into Jesus, His life-giving presence is mutually flowing in our veins. It builds a, a commonality, it builds fellowship, it builds us together in a way that is, that is so different to every kind of relationship in this world. And I could go on and on and on in these things, but do you get the picture? Can we say we are an empowered church at the very least, we wanna be an empowered church and we together are gonna to take steps forward so we can say, this is us. This is me, I'm drinking and God is flowing through me. This, by the way, is not for the mature only. God doesn't say, you know, once you've got a Bible degree and once you can speak Greek and Hebrew and, and once you've proved your morality to me, then I'll give you my spirit. If you're thirsty, Come to me and drink. So this is why as a church, we, we do this thing called prayer because there's pretty much two ways that we can lean into this. The one way is, and all of us have tried this, we can hope that God will one day zap us with his power. All right, he can, and, and he has done this from time to time. And, and we even hear stories of God doing this in, in the Muslim world where someone's just driving along and he zaps someone and they're overwhelmed with God's power. They're overwhelmed with God's presence. They're overwhelmed with faith in Jesus. They are transformed in the moments, just like Paul on the road to Tarsus. But here's the thing. Let's just get some realistic stats here. Bible written over the course of about one and a half thousand years. There's probably about you know, a handful of people in those one and a half thousand years that God did that to. So we can wait around for that or we can lean into him because Jesus says, when you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. When you remain in me, I will remain in you. And the way we do that is a very unpopular way and that is prayer. The way we commune with Jesus, the way we abide in Him or remain in Him, the way we draw near to Him is not by doing all these things. It's by praying, it's by coming into His presence. Guys, we don't pray to pray. We pray to get Jesus. We don't pray to twist God's arm. We pray to get His will and His heart. 
We're gonna pray hoping that kind of God's up there watching our praying, giving us sort of divine brownie points. No, we're praying and we actually enter the Holy of Holies in that single act with absolute confidence and fearlessness because Jesus has made us clean and we get to receive freely from our Father. That's why we pray. And, and, and so as a church, we are now kicking off this week of prayer and fasting. We are gonna be encouraging you to pray. So just to speak through just very quickly what this is gonna look like, you've got those two pieces of paper with you now. Uh, maybe just pull that out. I'm not gonna spell out all the details. They are all there. Um, but uh, on Sundays, every Sunday, not just these two Sundays, we've got prayer teams that meet for prayer before church. Don't just see this as this little group of people that, that do this little habit called prayer. These are people, I can promise you now, that intercede on your behalf. And you can be part of that nine o'clock outside Liquid Rock Cafe Sunday mornings, 5.30 outside the hall here on Sunday evenings. Then Monday, we are gonna be encouraging you to spend an hour alone with the Lord. You get to choose the time and the emphasis is gonna be listening to the voice of God, something that we probably don't do too well. There are resources available on the app on our website. So uh, make use of those resources and give it a spin. Get your journal out. Make some time to be alone with the Lord. Then we've got Tuesdays and Thursdays, which we are encouraging you guys to have some red-eye prayer sessions. You know the red-eye flight is the first flight out? Well, we're encouraging you on Tuesday and Thursday morning to have a five to six o'clock a.m. prayer session with the Lord. For those of you who are plugged into life groups, we're encouraging do this together as a life group. Some of you may want to just plug into others' homes and meet somewhere in common. Otherwise, um, get the WhatsApp group going and just keep accountable and make sure that you're praying and, and all the prayer points and all those are made available on those resources. Uh, but we are seeking God and we're willing to give up sleep. We're willing to give up you know, a sense of comfort in order to desperately position ourselves before God to receive from Him. We're also willing to do this together. So if you're not in a life group, hey, why don't you join up with them on this, this next week? Or, or why don't you get a few friends around you? Just start a little WhatsApp group. Um, wake up at five. Uh, I know one of the groups that Sean leads is um, everyone's got to check in on the WhatsApp group. And if they haven't checked in, uh, he phones and says, hey, wake up. Um, and if they don't answer the phone, he phones the wife. And then uh, they've got to, and guys don't want that. So they make sure that they're up in the morning. That's Tuesday and Thursday. Wednesday, we're gonna be meeting here, seven o'clock for a time of worship and of prayer. Uh, just to kind of let you know where we're going with that night, uh, we wanna encourage ourselves to grow in the direction of learning to pray for one another. Prayer is not just something that super spiritual Steve does because there's no such thing as super spiritual Steve. Prayer is something we can all come to God and drink and, and give. And I just wanna encourage you, if some of you are so desperate, if some of you are so thirsty, and if some of you are desperate to God, for God to act in very practical ways, maybe a physical act of healing, maybe an emotional act of healing, psychological, maybe just a deep need, we wanna trust God on Wednesday night that He's gonna do miraculous things. And we're gonna do it because brothers and sisters on the left and right of you are gonna to come to the Lord and drink and allow God to do what only He can do. All right, so Wednesday night, uh, the life groups are all meeting here Wednesday night and everyone is welcome for that. Uh, Friday, uh, we've got our missions prayer, seven o'clock. Please RSVP on the app around that or let the office know uh, so we can cater. We're gonna have a couple of people share about missions. We're gonna hear from Chris and just the awesome work that God used him in. And uh, then there's gonna be a time of prayer. Uh, and then Saturday, we're gonna be praying on the land for our future as a church. Again, just to remind you, the building, the land is not the church. You and I are the church. God is the source of life and power. So we come to Him, but we believe that God has led us to this point. He's providing and He's wanting to use this as a powerful tool to equip us as a church. Uh, just, so just 30 seconds updates on where we're at. I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago that we're in this, these sort of public hearings uh, uh, where our our intent is being made public at the moment and that 
conclude soon. But at the moment, we've hit a bit of a snag. The council isn't wanting to uh, uh, let us go forward with regards to any of our sewage plans. Um, uh, part of the reason is, and um, that's very important. We, <laughs> we need to know what to do with all of that kind of stuff. Um, and part of the reason is, uh, as that whole set of properties are being rezoned because they can no longer stay in the zone that there are, the council's not willing to put extra sewage pumps and those kinds of things there. Um, and as a bit of a concession, they're kind of saying, if we go the biodegradable route, which has, you know, uh, 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 the output of water is clean and fine for land, and, and, and you know, we're on the wetland, which is part of the issue and the concern, um, that if the environmental guys are, are okay with that, then they will approve. Now, guys, I've got no doubt that God is still moving us there. Remember the Israelites? Man, they got into the promised land, but they still had to face obstacles. They still had to have many defeats and, and many victories, and uh, we are experiencing that. So I wanna invite you, let's continue to pray for God to bring down the walls. Let's continue to walk in faith. Let's continue to trust God. Let's pray that this will not become an unnecessary snag, and let's just pray that uh, God's favor will shine upon us. And maybe some of you, as you're fasting, you wanna think about that, especially post-Wednesday, and you just wanna trust God for uh, this act. And finally, just a brief word on fasting. We don't fast to twist God's arm, to change his heart. We fast to better position ourselves that we are changed. You see, by actually declaring, not only with my mouth and, and my mind, I'm actually declaring with my body that Jesus is more important than even food. And we actually position ourselves to better hear from him to better be transformed by him. So you've got a little piece of paper there. Um, I know some of you are like, well, I'm gonna fast uh, watching Friends this week. <sighs> Let's get real. When we talk about fasting in the Bible, uh, that's fine, you can stop watching Friends and pray instead. But uh, when it comes to fasting in the Bible, it's fasting from food and water, or food and or water. So there's a little table in front of you. You might wanna start off easy. You can circle you know, lunch on Tuesday, breakfast on Thursday. You can circle all the lunches. There's an all day little tab. You're not gonna be giving that in to me. No one's gonna be following up on you. This is between you and the Lord. And over the next few minutes, why don't you take some time to fill it out? But don't just fast. Don't just like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm angry with God. No, no. Instead of eating, pray. Declare your thirst. Declare your hunger. God, I need what only you can bring. I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. So I'm gonna ask Warren to come up and he's just gonna play gently on, on the keys behind me. And at the same time, if Christy, Vernon and Bianca can come up onto the stage here and we're gonna pray together as a church as we kick this week off. And uh, I wanna invite you to stand because as we do that, uh, and, and, and if your legs do get tired as you're standing now, as your legs do get tired, please feel free to, to take a seat again. But let us stand together, let us put our arms out, let us receive together as we pray and declare our dependence on Him. God, I thank you that we can come before you today and, and ask for more. I pray, God, that you would develop in us a deep thirst that you would stir it up in us even now God and as we reach out to you as we cry out to you that you would make us thirsty for the things of God for who you are Jesus and for more of the Holy Spirit Make us thirsty to be more like you. Make us thirsty to be able to serve people and love people like you do. Wake us up in Jesus' name. Stir us up in Jesus' name. Get us out of bed in Jesus' name. I pray against our selfish constipation, our inward focusing, our prideful self-focus. And we pray, Jesus, that you would clear that out in Jesus' name, that, you, that we would have space to be thirsty, 
because we are a dehydrated people. We are a people who don't even know that we're thirsty sometimes. Stir up that thirst in Jesus' name. Stir it up. Come and show us how thirsty we are. And we pray, God, that as we seek you this week, that all the things of this world will be like sawdust in our mouth. That it would totally be nothing compared to who you are and what you have for us. And that it would only create us to be more thirsty. Thank you, God, that you have created us for life. You have created us to come and drink. You have created us to not be satisfied without you. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you stir that thirst up inside of us because we've felt it and we know it. We have drank from other wells. We have taken toxins into our body. We have taken on things that are not of you in, in, in our bodies. And we desire to drink from your perfect well. So come Holy Spirit, wherever we are in our thirst, we pray for more. Stir it up, God, in Jesus' name. More, God, more, God, more stirring, more thirst for your kingdom, more thirst for your righteousness, more thirst for your spirit, more thirst for your love, more thirst for life, more thirst for wholeness, <laughs> more thirst for joy, more thirst for your presence, more thirst for community, more thirst to worship you, God. More thirst for healing, that we will not say fine, fine, everything is fine. That we will not be a people of being fine. We are not fine. We need you, God. We are desperate for you. More, God. More of your presence. More of your life. More of your thirst. Come and fill what only you can fill, God. you, Lord, for your presence. I pray, Lord, that you wash over us like a wave. That the wind of your spirit will flow in this place. There will be an increase, an increase of the sense of your presence, God. Of your spirit falling upon us, not just for our sake, for the sake of your kingdom, Lord. And so, I'd actually like us to practice being a conduit. Just put your hand on somebody next to you and pray for that person as I speak. More of your spirit, Lord Jesus. Let it flow through me. This person to my left or right, bless them with your presence. Bless them with your power. 
overflow from what you have placed within me into these people, that there will be an increase of your presence in our midst. There will be an increase of your presence in this, in this person next to me, that they will know you, not just head knowledge, but know you intimately, and that there will be an empowering and a, a sense of your your presence and power, that same presence and power that raised Jesus from the dead will raise up those dead places within the person next to me. More of you, Jesus, more of your spirit is working in the midst, in our midst right now. Pour it out, Lord Jesus. Pour it out in power. In Genesis 28, we see Jacob fleeing from a consequence of a bad choice. And he's in the wilderness and he falls asleep. And while he's sleeping, he has a dream. He dreams of a, a ladder reaching up to heavens and there's angels ascending and descending. And at the top, the Lord is standing there. The Lord speaks to him. And we see it written in 28, 16 to 17. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is no other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. And Father, as we are the church, as we are the house of God, you occupy each one of us. Your Holy Spirit lives in us. Lord, open our eyes to the awareness of You in us. Make us aware that the Holy Spirit, the same power that raises people from the dead, transforms lives. That power is in us and that we have the capacity to be conduits of that power. Enable us to express this presence to others, Lord, that others may see heaven that we may be a gate to heaven as the power is in us. Lord, increase your presence in our lives, increase your awareness. Make us more aware of you. Make us more aware of you as we come and as we go. Make us aware of the miracles around us. Make us aware of those moments where you wanting to use us as conduits to your power. Father, we confess those times that we do not desire your presence and are not aware of your presence. We confess that the things that we are going to for more are actually in the way of us seeing you. Take a second and confess to him those things, your addictions, your obsessions, your desire for comfort, for sleep, TV, your addiction to food, your addiction to porn, your addiction to anything that is distracting you and removing the ability to be aware of Him. Holy Spirit, come flood our lives. We want to be overcome by Your presence. We wanna become increasingly aware that You are in this place and that You are in us that we are filled with your power. Increase our awareness of that, Father.